0: Welcome to Breakpoint Podcast, breaking down the world of tennis with your hosts, Val
1: Febbo and Joel Frucci. Well, Wimbledon is finally upon us and we can rejoice in the fact that grass court tennis is back on our screens and for the lucky people that are in attendance in front of their eyeballs. But there is no ranking points, so it does make the tournament interesting. And well, with COVID-19 still as rife as ever, players are pulling out, we're having seeds upset, there's plenty to unpack on Breakpoint Podcast, I'm your host Val Febbo, and joining me again after it's been it's been a fair while, but we are back. My main man Joel Ferrucci, um, he's back with us as well. Joel, how are you?
0: Going very very well, Val. Good to see you again, mate. I mean, how are you? Like we've we've both been uh, very busy. I've got to say.
1: Yeah, I don't think we've stopped at all, have we? Um, it's been a pretty uh, pretty busy few weeks. I've been in Queensland um for work for a few weeks, so enjoying some sunshine and you've been pretty busy with your role. So um yeah, it's nice to be back. We've had a French Open since we last um since we last did the show. So that was good. We enjoyed that. Um yeah. Rafa Rafa winning his 22nd major in unbelievable fashion. Um with that epic over Novak, that weird match over Zverev and then getting the job done again and Igish Fiontek in the midst of an open era record 36 match winning streak, which is quite frankly Unbelievable, but we do turn our attention to the pointless Wimbledon Joel because, well, <laughs> there are no points available. Um, it's has it felt as it felt bizarre to you with no Russians or Belarusians there? And you know, Medvedev, obviously the number one ranked player in the world, and he's not there. So Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal are the one and two seats. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, have I noticed? Um, Honestly, not really. <laughs> I don't know if that's bad of me to say, but no, I haven't really noticed it. To be honest, I mean, it's it's um, it's sad not to have the uh, the weird charisma of uh, Daniel Medvedev um, not there, um, but no, I haven't really noticed. Um, maybe other than um, uh, you know watching watching the tennis on Channel 9 and uh, not having the uh, ear-piercing screams of uh, Vika and uh, also Arena Savalenka. But, um, no, I, I genuinely haven't noticed. Um, and, look, I think so, so far um, it's it's been a fairly good tournament. Um, there's been some upsets. And, um, you know, even though there aren't any points available, I mean, it still felt like, like Wimbledon. Um, you know, the players that are there, most of them have, have turned up Um and yeah, even though there are no points available, they're playing Wimbledon and everyone wants to win. It's just, it's the, uh, it's the majesty of this event.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. It has been a really intriguing start and we've had some big seeds go out. French Open finalist Casper Rude gone. He lost to Ugo Umber. Pretty stiff draw, if you ask me. Humbert obviously an ATP 500 yeah. winner at Halle last year on grass and um, some of his best performances at Grand Slams have come at Wimbledon. So a little bit disappointing for, for Kaspar Ruud, who I think wanted to make up for losing that French Open final with a big showing at Wimbledon. Felix Auger-Aliassime, he's gone. Hubert Hercash gone. Another really tough draw for Hubert Hercash. Got Alejandro Davidovich for Kina in the opening yeah. round. Lost in five The man who's well is in the best form aside from Rafa and Novak, Matteo Berrettini. He's gone due to COVID-19. He was on a um, a massive winning streak. Came back after the French from a from a surgery. He won in Stuttgart, then he won in Queens, and um, undefeated on grass. And that's how it's going to remain this year because he is no longer with us at the tournament. Chilich gone also through COVID, Riley Apelka gone, Pablo Coreno Busta gone, Grigor Dimitrov gone, um, Holger Room, Dan Evans absolutely spanked by Jason Kubler, which is an amazing result in Sebastian Baez. Yeah, it, it's been it's been one of those tournaments, and we've seen some really big upsets and um and yeah, and, and seeing the story of Timothy. Van Rijthoven as well, um, from the Netherlands, yeah. won in uh, Sir Toggenbosch and now all of a sudden he's into the third round, knocking off Riley Opalka in a in a tight four setter. So there's been some good narratives, Joel. And w- what's been what's been the underlying one for you so far?
0: Well, it might as well to start with uh, Timothy Van Rijthoven. I mean, he's just come out of absolutely nowhere.
1: Yep. Well, made his <laughs> AT- he made his ATP debut just at uh, at the start of the month in. Um, uh, in Sertogonbosch, as I said. Won the title, beat Daniel Medvedev. Didn't just beat him, smashed him. Absolutely yeah. smashed him in that final in an unbelievable result. Um, and, yeah, he's found himself through to the third round of Wimbledon and possibly with a setup to play Novak Djokovic in round four because uh, he's got Nicholas Basilashvili who you just never know what you're going to get with the, uh, with the Georgian. But um, Andy Murray also gone. He lost to John Isner in... A match that Isner, I thought, played really well. I thought he was absolutely sensational in that encounter. And to beat Murray on grass, on centre court, never easy to do. And Isner, well, we know what he can do. We know what he's done at Wimbledon before. We know he's got form there. Um, But, yeah, to beat Andy Murray, I think you've still got to beat the name that's out there. And Murray's not playing bad tennis at the moment. So I thought that was really impressive from John Isner. He'll take on Yannick Sinner in a mouth-watering third round, Joel. Carlos Alcaraz still in. Um, And then you go down the draw further and you've got Cam Norrie still in the draw again. But tonight, look, I think it's the elephant in the room that we must address straight away, Nick Kyrgios, Um, spitting at a member of the crowd for berating him, uh, judging an umpire and a Lions official based on her age, Joel, saying that if they were younger, they might see better, whereas I've had glasses since I was five. So where's that logic? And then calling another Lions official a snitch with no fans and then unleashing on a few people in a press conference. Joe, this guy is becoming <sighs> so hard to support. It's it's honestly... It, it's too hard to support him. I've moved past Kyrgios as an Australian tennis fan because I know he's not going to do anything. He's not what I want to be the... He's not what I want to represent this country. Look at Spain. They've had Rafa, Ferrer... Lopez, so many guys, and now they get Alcaraz as well, and we're stuck with this. <laughs>
0: yeah, look, honestly, I don't think we should spend too much time on you because uh, there's, you know, there's so many good stories to come out there of. There are,
1: um, but you know, I need to, I need to
0: vent. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, um, yeah, look, I, it's a broken record, really. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff is nothing new for Nick, and I guess at this point, you're almost just kind of. I don't know. Shrug your shoulders and say, yeah. "All right, whatever." He's, you know, he's doing Nick things, but um, I think you've probably got to draw the line at spitting. I don't think that's, I don't think that's right. Doesn't um, matter what yeah. the person does.
1: Yeah. Th- why are you spitting?
0: Yeah, spitting's spitting's not cool. I mean, let's let's, regardless of whether sort of what what you like, whether whether you like or you don't like what Nick brings to the court, I and mean, in particular if you do like what he brings to the court, I and mean, you know, if that's fine, he makes things interesting, that's for sure. You, you, you just have to draw the line at the spitting. That's just not right.
1: Yeah, look, I, and I agree. And I, I think the way that he went into his press conference, I thought it was really arrogant. You know, you can eat for the rest of the day. Why are you eating in a press conference? And the, my, my issue with the whole situation, and before we do move on, is the fact that we as the Australian public are now enabling this behaviour because we're going to watch him. We're supporting him in all the things that he does. And I don't want to condone this in society. Why am I condoning this? Why am I, as an Australian person, supporting this? I'm not. I'm not doing it anymore. It's not happening. And we really need to pull our fingers out of our asses here as an Australian society and think, hang on, is this the type of behaviour that we want to enable? Because last time we checked, if a random member of society just randomly spat or berated someone or bullied someone, antagonised someone, we'd be pretty irritated. So why are we saying that this is okay on the sporting arena? Just because you can hit a ball well and and make it exciting.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think – I just think at this point – and this isn't to say that it excuses the behaviour, but, um, I mean, the way that I look at it is that people have just become so used to it and so desensitised almost that – A lot of people are just not so much willing to look the other way, but people just are just thinking, oh, yeah, you know, Nick's just doing Nick stuff. Mm. Um, And again, that's not to say that it's acceptable, but I think it's just happened so many times that it's just kind of, um, I don't know, almost ingrained. I think ingrained might be a good word rather than accepted because I like to think that there's elements of, what Nick does. And, you know, there are some great things that Nick does, but I mean, the other nine wasn't particularly sightly. Um, yeah, if you can't you can't accept that.
1: And look before. fans shouldn't be going and, and and berating players. But this is unfortunately, Kyrgios complains about this sort of stuff, but it's the atmosphere it at matches that he has created. He was the one making enemies at the Australian Open, riling up the crowds, but as soon as it's not for him As soon as the crowd attention is not for him and the support isn't for him, he can't handle it. And I'm sorry, if you want it one way and you get the other, you can't complain. You cannot complain because this is all you're doing, Nick. All you're doing. So enough is enough. Just if if you want a zoo, accept it because it's going to be a zoo for you and against you. But if you don't want a zoo against you, then stop riling up the crowd and stop acting like a grade-A moron when you're on the court. That's all I can say, and that's what I'm going to move on from. And we've got Jordan Thompson. He's still in the draw. Alex Demonor's still in the draw from an Australian point of view. Jason Kubler, uh, Joel, has had setback after setback after setback and he's found himself in the second round of Wimbledon with a massive 6-1 6-4 6-3 win over uh over Dan Evans. I thought that was so impressive considering Evans at his home Grand Slam. Kubler's had injury after injury has finally got himself back inside the top 100 and look at this, he's um he's managed to get himself through to the second round.
0: Yeah, it's um you know, it's really nice to see um and yeah, to knock off Dan Evans at Wimbledon. I mean, that's Nothing to sneeze at. Um, that, that's a very, very good result. Um, yeah. And look, well, I mean, well, if you look at um, if you look at what Jason Cooper was doing, and also, um, I guess, on the theme of sort of unheralded Aussies or um, Aussies that haven't really kind of made the breakthrough, so to speak, yet, um, you, we can look at the other at the at the women's side of things as well, and um, just look at Zoe Hives and what she was able to do. Obviously, um, outclassed in the first round by Maria Sachary, but. Just like the backstory. Mm. Her backstory and the fact that she was able to, to find her way um through qualifying. Um, absolutely fantastic. And um, you know, we've already sort of pardon me, we've already sort of spoken a bit about um, you know, the lack of points on offer and um you know, whether it affects, I guess, the you know, the romance or the, the edge of, of Wimbledon. Um It was it's a bit like uh a bit like when we were going through COVID, in the, the depths of Covid that you know some of the things that were happening there. Um, it really opens up some opportunity for um, some of these players, mm. and um, you know it's that's not to say that a lot of players you know dropped and aren't competing. We we, we know that most of them are, but um, that's the flip side, and um, it's it's great that they were able to make the most of it.
1: The one thing for me that is I guess irritating about this whole Wimbledon situation with no points is that. Kubler's made the second round. Not bad ranking.
0: Yeah, He's not going to get any points. And and he's
1: qualified. So he's going to miss out on all those ranking points, which is, I think it's something along the lines of 40, something like that. Um, It's 15. Yeah, yeah, 15 for an opening round and then 45 for a second round. Um, Plus the qualifiers. It's about 57 points that he's missing out on. That can jump him up five or six spots, depending on how close things are. Um, that doesn't help at all. Um, and then on the other flip side, you look at Novak Djokovic, who could very well go on and win this title with the way that he's playing, and he's and, still going to drop. And he's still going to drop. He's going to defend his title and still drop if he wins it. And that's the most bizarre situation out of all of it. The fact that you know he's he's going to suffer, and you know whether you like him or not, it doesn't matter um, because. It's, it's still not fair on the players that are there. It's not fair on the players that aren't there. I think a ranking freeze would have probably been the best solution for this whole tournament. So unfortunately, that's not what we're getting. We're going to get something very, very different to what, we, what we've been accustomed to over the last couple of years with COVID. But um, that, that's what we've got. And um, Joel, with Novak and Rafa, they both look pretty good. Four, four setters in their first, first round. Soon we're Kwon for Djokovic and then um, Francisco Serundolo for Rafael Nadal and I don't I, I, it's one of my favorite names that one and even the first name is absolutely fantastic but you look at Rafa and he wasn't originally going to play Wimbledon I don't reckon I reckon this was a very very late decision to play considering he's finally mastered the Australian French double for the first time in his career at the, at the ripe old age of 36 um Oh, it's it would be interesting to see how far he can get into this event. His draw's not too bad. Um, he's he had Marin Cilic uh, go, get knocked out with COVID. Matteo Berrettini is now gone. That was his side of the draw, and that helps a lot. Felix Auger-Aliassime would have been his quarterfinal opponent. He's now gone, Joel. So Taylor Fritz is now the biggest opposition for him in that quarter. And Fritz, of course, beat him in the Indian Wells final. But in a grand slam over five sets, you never know. Stefano Tsitsipas, yes, he's in form, winning winning the uh, Mallorca title just last week. But he can be very flaky at the best of times. So Rafa's draw has opened up. Novak's draw has opened up, barring Carlos Alcaraz, who, again, is a little bit untried at Wimbledon. We don't know what we're going to get from Carlos with the way that he's played his tennis. It was a really good first-up win for Alcaraz over jan Leonard Stroff, who was a great grass-court player, and then again over forced Talon. Him. And then again on um, uh, Talon Greeks ball. So next up for him will be Oscar Otter, who made the third round last year uh, and played, or oh, sorry, second round last year, forced Andy Murray to five sets. So I think this is going to be a big test for Alcaraz, and we could have him v Sinner in the fourth round. So Carlos Alcaraz will be tested heavily on the grass court. So we'll see what happens there. But what do you make of the top players so far? And where are we going to be seeing them, do you think?
0: Yeah, well, it's... Um, look, you have to think that Novak and, and Rafa are probably the, the two guys to beat. Um, but, yeah, when you, when you sort of look a bit further down, I think there's a, a couple of guys that could could probably push. I think Stefanos Tsitsipas is probably the one. I mean, he realistically should be a, good, a very good grass quarter. Um, but I was watching Novak against Tenasi Kokonakis last night yeah. before I went to bed, and he looked really, really, really good, I've yeah. got to say. Um, I think it was towards the start of the, the second set. Uh, sorry, the third set. This is just a single out sort of one little tidbit. But um, I played a very... Substantially long rally and um, Novak from well, I think it was Novak from the back of the court, one of the best slices I've ever seen. I think, yeah, um, just unbelievable. So, he look, he's looking really good. And, um, I mean, to get over someone like Tanasi, who we know can turn it on, I mean, quite easily, he did look a little bit rattled, but um, very sort of vintage Novak performance and um, with. His record at, at Wimbledon, um, you'd have to think that he is the favourite. Um, not, not to dismiss Rafa, um, I mean, we just have to look at his season so yeah. far, really. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, at this point, I, I think I think you've got to probably go with Djokovic.
1: I I tend to agree, but I think this is this could be a twenty seventeen has a big asterisk next to it in terms of the Australian Open final that year with Roger and Rafa and which Grand Slam was more important in terms of their tallies. Now, obviously, Rafa's gone past Roger. Novak sits on 20 and Rafa sits on 22. Now, if Novak doesn't win here, there's a fair chance that he's not playing the US Open with the vaccination um, mandates that are still in place in America. Yeah. And if Rafa can somehow win a third Wimbledon 12 years after his second, I think it almost puts the debate to bed because I think Rafa will finish up with the most should he get to 23. It's looking... Yeah, it, it just looks as though Nadal has taken this race by the scruff of the neck and the fact that he's playing Wimbledon shows that he's hungry. And we know Rafa is hungry. We know that, you know, the way he plays just epitomizes hunger, but... I'm on honestly more in awe of Nadal every day that he plays, every next match that he goes on for. Um, it quite it staggers me with what he's been able to achieve. And yeah, if he can win another yeah. Wimbledon or even go close to winning, um, I think that's only going to enhance his um his uh his aura even more so than it already than it already is, which is quite unbelievable. So that's the men's side. That's where it lies. We'll do predictions a little bit later on in the show, but we've still got plenty more to come on Breakpoint Podcast, show. We're going to talk about all of the women's uh, draws so far. There have been some big upsets. There's been some big storylines, and we can't wait to dissect all of that after this on Breakpoint Podcast.
0: Follow Breakpoint on social media, on Twitter and Instagram breakpoint podcast search us on facebook and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform
1: you're listening to breakpoint podcast valferbo and joel fritchie guiding you through wimbledon and what has been an eye-opening tournament uh, so far it's um it's It's been such a good start. It's nice to have the grass court tennis back, apart from the fact that there are no points available, which is still very bizarre to think about. But we've had some great storylines so far. We've had uh, Annette Conservate knocked out, Danielle Collins gone, Muguruza gone, Radikanu Benchic. Uh, Jill Teichman, Madison Keys, Camilla Georgie, Martina Trevisan, Beatrice Dadmay, Seranika Steyer, Yulia Putintseva, and uh Lena She's gone. Um, and then Shelby Rogers and Kai Kanepi also gone. Joel, it's been a. It, all the big players have been really fighting to get through. Um, but Iga Swiatek, well, she's 36 matches in a row. Hasn't lost since February. She holds the Open Era record. She's gone past Serena at the French. She's gone past Venus here at Wimbledon. It's quite staggering.
0: It is. And, yeah, hardly a backward step from uh, from Ega. Um, yeah, look, I think if it wasn't clear already, um, you know, since Ash retired, I think she, we were sort of wondering who was going to kind of take the mantle. And, um, yeah, well, uh, she's taken it with both hands and then some. Um, it's very, very clear that, She's, by by some distance, the number one in the world uh, now on the WTA. Um, and it's obviously still early days um, in this Wimbledon Championship. But, um, yeah, she looks like she's becoming a real sort of all-court player, um, which I think is going to be really important for her. Um, yeah. And, yeah, just a really likeable person to... To be in that position, I suppose. But um, yeah, she sort of best trade with caution because it has there has been a bit of carnage. Um, we spoke a bit about it um, on on the ATP side of things, but um, as I guess as is as is the norm on the WTA, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's some of the dominoes have fallen um, <laughs> earlier than we would have thought. Um, yeah, like the one that the one that jumped straight out of me is Minnan against Gavine and yep. 6-4, six four six love.
1: That's well, <laughs> it was a, it was a pure smacking what happened there. Um, Kurt Minnen yeah. was was unbelievable in that match. And, and even last night, we've got uh, Annette Konservate falling to Jules Niemia uh, or Niemeyer of Germany. And that was also a 6-4, 6 love And we weren't expecting Annette to go out so early, especially with such a high seating at a slam. But um, an amazing performance from the German. and And look, her third-round opponent is now, is someone who I think deserves... A little bit of luck, Joel. I really think she does because, unfortunately, Lacia Sorenko drew Ash Barty in the first round of yeah. the Australian Open this year. And then in the first round of Roland Garros this year, just when things couldn't get any worse, she qualifies and she draws Higas Fiontech. So <laughs> so I think it's about time Lacia Serenko gets some luck. She got through um, and she's defeated Al- um, Alina Canelina or Kalanina in, um, in the second round, and she's gone through to round three, which I think is a really nice story considering the first two matches she's had to play at Grand Slam so far this year. So good story there. Um, As you said, um, Gabinia Muguruza gone. Wasn't expecting that so early. Maria Sakkari's looked really good so far as well. So has Yelena Ostapenko. Both of those two haven't dropped sets as of yet. On Jabur she's my pick to win it overall, Joel. I know I've gone a bit early and I should have waited. But um, uh, the way she's going about her business, and I think she would have been really irritated with the French Open um, and how things panned out for her there, um, losing so early in the first round. But I reckon she is a real chance to go on and and push for this title because she won in Madrid, uh, lost in the final of Rome to Igish Fiontek, and then ended up winning the German Open as well, beat Belinda Bencic in the final. So she's in a rich vein of form at the moment. She's in four finals in the last two months. The only outlier was that Roland Garros first round. She's gone through. Her game should suit um, should suit the, gla- the grass because of the way she plays, the variance in which she hits her shots. And I'm I'm really confident about her chances at this at this tournament
0: yeah well it'd be a great story if uh, if she could do it um and yeah looking healthy as well, which i think is the most important thing um I, I think part of that uh yeah part of her season has been um a bit of lucklessness when it comes to injuries at, at really bad times um so yeah hopefully she can stay fit and healthy um at, at Wimbledon, which would be really nice yeah. um uh, and sort of just looking looking elsewhere in the draw as well Val. um there's, there's one player in the women's draw who I always look to at Wimbledon and I'm still just waiting, hoping that on grass she can do something. And there's a smile on your face. I think I think you know who I'm talking about. But Is it? Um, still in the draw. Carolina Pliskova? Yeah. <laughs> seed.
1: Yeah, I was literally about to bring her up. The, fi- the finalist from last year, she was one set away from Grand Slam Glory against Ash Barty. She's on the top side of the draw, um, which includes Paula Badosa, um, Coco Gorf, the French Open semi-finalist, oh, and someone who's had a great deal of success at Wimbledon. Simona Halep is there. This is a tough draw. Jessica Pegula there. Um, Gabinia Muguruza, she's gone. Barbara, Barbara Krejikova, who was the world number two at one stage this year, and Iguys Viontek. So it's, this is going to be really interesting to see what's um what she can do, Carolina, because it was a tough first-round matchup for her against Martinkova, and she won that 7-6, 7-5. She's got hometown uh, hero Katie Bolter um, next, and that's tonight. Could have had Serena Williams in the third round, but we'll get to Serena's match in a sec. But, yeah, I I think she's a smoky to do it. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, it's interesting. Like When we talk about smokies, yeah, I guess you could put her in that camp.
1: Um, I know she's a top ten player. I can't believe we're talking about her being a smoky, but yeah, we well,
0: again. I guess that's, I guess that's that's just sort of down to just the way that her career's gone, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Guess. Um, yeah. No, look, I, I really hope that she can do it because, oh, geez, we talk about her a lot, don't we? We do. Um, and yeah, it'd just it'd be a real shame if uh, you know it got to the end of her career and. She bowed out without any grand slams. And she still does have some time, but she's running out of it, though. And we've been saying that for a while, unfortunately. But, look, hopefully now with Ash gone, and obviously Eager's looking very, very good, um, hopefully she can make some inroads. It'd be nice.
1: It would be nice. And she's 30 years old now, Carolina Pliskova, and she's on the wrong side of the big Um, 3-0. was number one in the world pretty much almost five years ago, 17th of July, 2017, was when she summited at the top of the rankings and still hasn't won a slam yet. So that'd be the one thing burning on her mind and her career, if she does get there, will be complete essentially. Um, and I think she'd be really pleased with um, w- with getting a slam if she can do it. But uh, Serena Williams is another one for me, Joel. She's out, and unfortunately kind of leaves a question mark over where her career lies now. I think, and I think we can actually rule Serena out of, of winning Grand Slams because that was um it was she had fight she had the determination and everything but it just wasn't enough in the end. And look, maybe maybe she just needed the match practice, but um I certainly wasn't expecting her to lose to Harmony Tan even though she's been out for a week. Such is the mystique and the prowess of Serena Williams, but what a match for Harmony Tan to win seven six in the third and um it was an epic in every sense of the word.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, just just before we touch on Serena a bit more. Well, actually, no, we'll start with Serena. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: yeah, look, it's a shame, but I, I think, yeah, I think we almost have to sort of start expecting some results like these. I yeah. mean, it, even though it's great to see her back on on tour, um, you know, just with her age and the amount of tennis that she's missed, um, I think moving forward, maybe this one was a surprise, but I think, yeah, moving forward, um, there will probably be more of these results and I think they'll be less surprising. Um, I guess, I mean, look, um, I hope Serena can go out on a high, but um, I guess the other side to that is it's Serena Williams and she can do whatever the bloody hell she wants <laughs> when it comes to retirement. And yeah. She has absolutely earned it. Um, so we'll just leave that up to her. Um, Harmony Tan, though, um, it's interesting. Did you, Val, see her uh, her doubles partner um, posted a, a rather unhappy message on on Instagram. So um, the backstory to that is that Harmony Tan pulled out of her doubles commitments. Oh, um, no.
1: She done a no, a, a no back at the uh, Tokyo Olympics.
0: Yeah. And, um, yeah, her partner was not pleased. Let me tell you, she was not happy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, that's what well, what was said here. I haven't actually seen this, so this is this is news to me. Stars text yeah. after beating Serena Sparks Fury. So um, Harmony Tan is pulled out of the Wimbledon doubles, and uh, so Tamara Corp uh, Corpach she was supposed to play with. She just texted me this morning. Um, the German said, uh, "Let me wait here." One hour alone on court because the match started. I'm very sad, disappointed, also very angry that I can't play my first doubles Grand Slam. Not fair for me. Didn't deserve that. She asked me before the tournament if I want to play doubles, and I said yes. I didn't ask her. She asked me. If you're broken after a three-hour match the day before, you can't play professional. That's my opinion. Unsportsmanlike, unfair, and mad.
0: That's a fair (laughs) way.
1: Well, Deserved. I reckon oh, yeah, that was a hundred percent deserved. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think there's any yeah. hiding from that for Harmony Tan because uh, safe to say that that uh, that pair is not harmonious. Um, if you get yes. the punch, um, that's pretty. That's quite. That's quite awful. <laughs> oh man, I hadn't seen that yet. I've been stuck in a in a bubble and yeah, have not seen that. So that's really that's quite awful. Um, on from Harmony Tan's point of view, but yeah, if you can't overcome a three hour match with a with a day in between and you can't play doubles, then, yeah, where's your fitness at, really? So, yeah, very interesting there. But she'll take on Sara Soribes' Tormo of Spain tonight, and um, that'll be a really exciting contest. But, Joel, we better wrap up this. So, actually, one more before we do wrap up. Emma Raducanu, she's gone, lost to Caroline Garcia, who's... Um, In a rich vein of form herself, she got through 7-6 in the third in her first match, but now a 6-3, 6-3 win over Emma Raducanu. And I really liked Raducanu's comments in the press conference afterwards, and they said, did you succumb to the pressure? And she goes, I've won a slam. The pressure's on the people that haven't done that. And she just shut down everybody because... The pressure will only really come back on her if she hasn't done anything in her tennis career in another 10 years. But the way that she goes about her tennis, I've got no doubt in my mind that she's going to be a very successful player over her career. And you know what? If she doesn't win another slam, who cares? She got one early. Yeah, she got one. She
0: got a safety net. I, look, I, I just think it's, a, it's just a case of a young player who's um, who's sort of reached the pinnacle really early. Um, and then, you know, from that point on, it's kind of like, well, the only way that you can go is sort of further up, and it's not always that easy. No. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be it's not going to be smooth sailing for, for Emirati kind from here. Let's let's face it. Um, no. Yeah, you know, she, she'll still go on to be a, a very good player. I'm I'm i have no doubt about that. But yeah, that's all part of it. And also, like with her, um, I think she's sort of going to sort of fall into the same. Into the same kind of areas as you know, someone like Marie Sharapova. Like, if you if you jump on like Tennis Reddit, for example, and you scroll through there, like just story after story is about Emma Raducanu. Like, it's just you know her name's everywhere already. Yeah. So obviously, it is a little bit of pressure. But yeah, yeah, I mean, um, she handled that well.
1: <laughs> yeah, and she certainly did. And you know, you look at the you know some of the Australians that handle their press conferences, and. Hmm. I'd like, a, I'd like an Emma canoe wearing, uh, wearing an Australian flag. Let me put it that way. Um, unfortunately, we don't have Ash Barty anymore, but really pleased for Daria Savile to even get into the main drawer as well. She's back in the top 100. What a great story. Um, Astra Sharma, Zoe Hives getting through, as you mentioned, off the top, Joel. Um, and Isla Tomjanovic, the last one standing, flying the flag, beats uh, Jill Teichman 6 63. She made the quarterfinals last year, so she's going to lose a few points. She'll play... Uh, uh, who is she playing tonight? Sorry, the draw has literally Catherine Harrison tonight, the American qualifier, and then possibly uh, Barbara Krejcikova and then Iga Svjantek after that. So um, going to be a very interesting uh, conclusion to this women's draw because Svjantek's the one to beat, but on grass, she's probably beatable. So who knows what's going to happen, and we're going to dissect our predictions right after this on Breakpoint Podcast.
0: Follow Breakpoint on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Breakpoint Podcast. Search us on Facebook and subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast platform.
1: You're listening to Breakpoint Podcast, the Wimbledon 2022 special edition, or the preview, even though we're halfway through the second round. um, (laughs) Val Febo and Joel Fritchie here with you. It's kind of a preview and kind of a review at the same time. We give you everything here on Breakpoint because that's just who we are. Um, But our prediction, or we we might as well do the benoir of the week before our predictions, Joel, because we haven't done a benoir. In a fair while, and we haven't even thought of this yet. So, this is going to be fun to see who thinks of this on the fly. Um, yeah, I've got one. Oh, you got one straight away. All right, go for it. Yeah, I've got one. Um, uh, it's the American
0: Supreme Court, and I'll leave it at
1: that. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Not Harmony 10. Yeah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> I thought no. we weren't making political statements on the show anymore. Oh, uh, we can make political statements. Okay. We all just right. won't sort of open the can of worms. That's all. All right. Well, I'll give I'll give one to Tom Stewart then. You AFL fans listening will know why. Um, <laughs> certainly not I as want bad to as say th- as well. That my both they're both bad Ben They're not good Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, your one is a lot worse than mine. But let's leave it yeah. at that. Wimbledon prediction time, Joel. Um, who have you got winning the men's? Uh,
0: look at the moment. It's look. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be boring. I mean, it's 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 really difficult at this point to go past Novak yeah. to, to win it. Um, I think. Um and then look, the bottom half is a little bit more interesting, I think um uh look i wanna i wanna stay Stefanos um might even throw table fritz in there as a as a bit of a smoky too, but um I mean, like can you really count't raffer out like can we can we ever can we ever do that?
1: <laughs> no, you just you, can't do it no, you can't if
0: there, even... you've almost you've almost got to think of him as. You know, final uh, two
1: at least. Yeah, a chance. A chance, yeah. But look, I, I agree. I think it is going to be Novak that wins it. I reckon Rafa's going to have a run to the final. I really think he is. I think he's he's primed to do it. Um, it's his first chance at winning the first three majors of the year. So, um, yeah, I reckon Rafa is going to get the job done and um, and uh, and make the final. But I reckon Novak might be a little bit too strong and avenge that Roland Garros quarterfinal defeat. On the women's side, Joel, a little bit different because... There's a can of worms to be opened.
0: Uh, yeah, there is. I think top half, um, straight up eager. Yeah. Um, and bottom half, very interesting. There's, there's some names here that you could easily throw into the mix. Obviously, we've spoken a bit about on Um, Would love to see her in the final. I think that'd be great. Um, Maria Sachary is one that could easily do it. On grass, you know who I wouldn't be surprised uh, if she makes a really serious push is Elena Ostapenko.
1: Would not on surprise. Grass. Would not surprise me either. Seaball, ball, smack ball, and go yeah. from there. <laughs> if she's
0: on, like if she can string together six or seven consecutive, you know, near faultless matches. Obviously, yep. she's going to hit a lot of unforced errors, but if she can, if she can balance those out with more winners, then anything's possible.
1: Yep. I I agree. I reckon she's a real chance. My my winner, though, Joel, I'm going with Anne Chabert. I reckon she's going to win the title, and I think Iga Fiontek will make the final. So I'm going a little bit boring as well. But yeah, I think Chabert might be prime for that maiden Grand Slam push. And what a narrative that would be. Would just be yeah. simply unbelievable. So... Let's see what happens for the rest of Wimbledon. But we'll catch you next week for another, another Wimbledon show where we'll have more of an idea of who's still in the draw and who are the possibilities to win the title at the All England Club. But until then, Joel Frucci, thank you very much.
0: No worries, Val. It's been too long. Good to
1: see you. It has been way too long, and, yeah, it's nice to to finally get another show under our belts, but uh, it has been very nice to see you as well. And uh, remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Breakpoint Podcast, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast, Twitter at Breakpoint Pod, not to mention uh, on wherever you get your podcast. subscribe, Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, wherever they are, we're there. Um, so plenty of tennis action still to come at the All England Club. Enjoy the tournament on the grass because it is – it is such a great fortnight. This has been Valfebo and Joel Ferrucci signing off on Breakpoint.